On this week's episode of Circles Off, we're doing a Super Bowl 57 recap. How did myself and Johnny fare on the Super Bowl? What were our biggest wins, our biggest losses? Any bets that we would take back if we could? We'll cover that and a variety of topics from the gaming space this week. All that and more on Circles Off, episode number 89. Come on, let's go! Welcome to Circles Off, episode number 89. Here is part of the Hammer Betting Network. Rob Pizzola, joined by Johnny from Betstamp. 89, my guy, Kadarius Tony. Oh. On his old team. Kanish yes. Darius Tony. Kanish, Kanish Darius Tony. Tony. Kanish Darius Tony. Took, Kanish took a big L on uh, Kadarius Tony. Uh, Hitman took a big L as well. I tailed that one and then played back on the under. Okay. I, I set and myself up with a middle on Kadarius. He did get the touchdown if you bet the anytime touchdown. He got the tutter. There's a lot of... Uh, 89 is like a huge tight end number in the NFL. But like not Mark Andrews is the good tight end. And then the rest of them are like Mercedes Lewis. Oh, Mercedes Lewis is a legend. Tyler Higby. Jared Cook. Drew Sample. Donald Parham. Parham. Parham, Brock Wright, but obviously in the NHL. Alex McGillney. McGillney. Leafs legend Alex McGillney. Yes. Um, Sam Steve, Steve Smith actually in the NFL also. Oh, 89. 89. Forgot yeah. about that. He was nasty. One of the rare receivers. Santana Moss too. From my growing up, I used to draft Santana Moss in my pools. That's why I lost a lot of pools back in the day. We but, get in trouble for not, like, saying people. Eh? Like, we get oh, yeah. tweeted, like... The comments, how could you forget about yeah. this guy or whatever? Yeah, like, I'm not going to name when every we're doing single it, player. When we're about to doing it, people are like, oh, like, we're doing 88. And then there's a guy like, yeah, Marvin Harrison. Marvin Harrison. Yeah. Why aren't they saying Marvin Harrison? Of course. Why aren't they saying Mike Comrie, 89? It's like, I'm never going to... He did wear Mike Comrie, did he? Yeah. yeah. The yeah. Former... Uh, Mike Comrie. Is he still married to Hillary Duff? I think so. I think that that, that was it. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, active player. Buchnevich wears 89. Sparkly Goodrow. Oh. Yeah, like, but it's from Aurora, so yeah. shout out Sparkly Goodrow. All right. That's <laughs> Super Bowl recap. First and foremost, Rob Show, formerly our show. Rob did it this year. I was uh, away on biz. Maybe we'll do it again here next year. Who knows? Sure. But first year, last season, if you tailed every pick, that was a dub. This year, if you tailed every pick, another dub. Another dub, and I actually counted it fairly. So 3% ROI if you tailed every pick from the, the 23 guests and myself. I included Spanky's heads at plus 100, which was like kind of a joke pick, but he gave it out. And honestly, I felt bad saying this in the recap video that I did on Forward Progress, but for most people, betting heads at plus 100 is actually the best EV play they would have made in the Super Bowl. I, I, you're probably right, especially when I saw some of the bets that came in that, that were sent to me. Every Super Bowl morning, I would say I'd have to count how many messages I get, but it's usually between like 30 to 50 for the past couple of years. Like, hey, what bonuses you got? What, uh, what stuff's going on? What am I betting today? Who do you like? Chiefs, Eagles, whatever. I'm sure you get the same Super Bowl morning, a lot of people. The amount of bets that came across in the text on there were hilarious. Like, someone was like, send me a bet. Is this a good bet? It was team to win the opening, like team to win the coin toss wins the game at minus 120, which is literally, if you have plus 100, then yeah. I guess that could be considered an edge. That's break even at plus 100. Exactly. And um, th that's like even worse than the coin toss at minus 10. Well, listen, <laughs> I mean, if, you, if you're betting the coin toss it at, cash, at even money, plus 100, 
it's it's zero EV bet. Like it's it's fair odds. It's the exact fair odds. Most people you get together with for the Super Bowl, a lot of them haven't even placed a bet yet. So it's like an hour till game time and they're trying to fire off bets. They're going to bet minus 110, minus 150. They're betting into these markets with like 5% hold. You're better off actually betting, betting the coin toss. I say that in all seriousness. I was telling people that. Like people that, my friends who want to get in a bet, I'm like, pick heads or tails at plus 100. At plus sports, 100, though. At plus 100. By obviously. the way, I had a bet on tails at plus 101. Did I send you a screenshot? No. 680 that's bucks. Great. That's plus that's 101. It's a great bet. Cash it. Not because it won, because it's uh, a little, no, I know. some general, EV. Like couple, well, not couple, a great bet. I'm couple bucks in EV. couple bucks in EV. Um, what I was going to say, actually, I saw this earlier. One of the sports books um, in here in Ontario, big sports book, BetMGM, was uh, getting some slack on Twitter for offering the coin toss at, uh, was it minus 15? Minus 115, both sides. Minus 115 aside, all right? I want to come in actually in defense of the sports book in this situation. Here's what I got. You okay, can- I'll, I'll let you say your piece, and then I'll say my piece on this as well. All right. Most sports books will offer the coin toss at minus 110. That's the standard currently, meaning... They're going to make 4.55% for every $100 that's wagered, regardless, you know, if they split action. There is some sports books, a.k.a. Uh, DraftKings, which was offering, you know, plus 100, plus 100 per 4. side. They said, you know what? We're going to use this probably as a customer acquisition technique. Yep. You can come in here. You want to bet the coin flip, yep. zero EV. You're like negative, no negative, no positive. Come here, go ahead and bet it. Some books, awesome. sorry, even just to interrupt you, some books actually boosted the odds on the coin toss one way or another. So yeah. plus 100 for if you want tails and if you want heads, like, minus like one. Unibet was plus 135 on heads. Uh, for um, a promo bet. Though. For yes, promo bets, yes. yes, exactly. Of course. I'm not even talking promo bets. I'm not talking like the ones where you can only get 50 bucks down. Obviously, those bets you're, you're just going to take. It's yep. the same as taking the promos. I'm talking here actual limit bets where you can actually go ahead and, and, and bang a good pop, obviously, if your account's not restricted. What I'm going to come in defense of is if anybody is out there who is going to bet the coin toss at minus 110, which is something that you could clearly and everyone in the world can clearly quantify and identify is a 50-50 shot. If you're going to bet that at minus 110, then you are certainly betting that also at minus 115 if that's the only sports book you had. Meaning, if you're a customer and you want to bet it, I may have even gone the other way if I was on the other end of the table. If I was in their shoes, I might go... Coin toss, minus 150 per side. Minus 150, minus 150. The amount of people that are going to bet that at minus 110, it's already such bad value that 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 person has already told you, I do not give a shit about the odds. I'm just betting this. You might as well just take more from them. And if you're going to go ahead and do that, go max it and take whatever limits you want and enjoy and let people bet. So I'm I'm not an advocate in saying like juice the guys and make sure you take more of the customer, but... All in, if you're not going to offer it at like plus 100, plus 100 as a promo, yep. I wouldn't even offer it at minus 110. I'd go, I'd go deeper. I'd go minus 30 or something like that. So a lot of the, the complaints about that, the minus 115 at BetMGM or that, it's predatory, right? Like that's what a lot of people say, oh, it's predatory and this and that. Minus 110 is predatory. I, any, any betting then is kind of predatory in a sense, right? Like you're offering people what you deem, like the house has a, thinks they have an advantage with the VIG. The whole thing for me is that I don't deem it as predatory because there's actually so many other options in market. Like it's one thing if every single shop is offering minus 115 and then 
and that's like the industry standard. And then we can say, okay, like this is getting ridiculous at this point. And that won't happen because it's such a competitive market now that you do see the, 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 the promos and stuff like that. You do see the plus 100 both sides. So honestly, I disagree with that. Sportsbooks are in it to make money. Part of that is taking advantage of the player base. Now, you know, if I was running my book, I'm, I'm not doing it in a way where, you know, I'm trying to inflict lifelong problems on people. That's, I think, totally out of line. It, it does happen with VIP programs and whatever. It's in the interest of, of winning money. The issue that I had with the BetMGM one, though, which made me, made me laugh, is they were capping bets at like 250 bucks. I think that was just already a restricted account. It, it might have been, but it's still funny. It, like, even if it, an account is restricted, right? Yeah, I know. That's just, that's part of the issue. It's like, when you're restricting accounts, you're literally going to restrict the guy also on the coin toss. He's making the word, like, the only, if that's a restricted account, and it's restricted because that person is identified as a long-term winner, and he's finally wants to bet into a market where he doesn't have an edge, and you limit him to 250, oh. I find that hilarious, but. That is actually funny, especially because. Like that's a certified quantifiable negative 5% edge. Yep. I, I listen for me, it, it's an open market. Like sports books can operate however they want. And the ones who operate in the ways that I, I think are more conducive to the vast majority of players will be the ones that sustain success in the long run. And that's why we actively preach pinnacle here on circles off. I went through the entire board on the pizza buffet on Sunday. I'll talk about a horrible bet. I made. No, not a horrible bet. I made. I'll retract a great bet that, that had a horrible result, but I did that at pinnacle Sportsbook. pinnacle the world's sharpest sports book available to bettors in Ontario. Find out what pro bettors have known for decades. Pinnacle is where the best bettors play. You must be 19 plus, not available to those in the United States. But uh, yeah. What was the coin toss odds at Pinnacle? Minus 102. Both Perfect. ways. Fair. At least you're not, if you want to make a fun bet, at least you're not getting too That's what I'm saying. Out, right? And at the end of the day, like if you're going to bet the coin toss at minus 115 at BetMGM, and you're too lazy to go open an account at any of the other sports books or fund an account at any of those sports books, you deserve to just get that minus 50. I agree. Like it's a, it's a, you know, I made bad, bad, bad bets on the coin toss before. I'm not going to, I was a very recreational better for the large, large portion of my life where I was laying minus 110 every year on the coin toss, just because I wanted like to sweat a fun bet with my friends. And at that time there were no other options really. Like, you know, I, I was a Canadian me betting PPH accounts, but like to deposit into an offshore in those days, the banks would block the transactions. I couldn't even get money in if I tried. So I was just like forced to do that in some capacity. I think that's, that's not right, I guess, in the, in the spirit of the sports book, but now there's so many options. Like there's tons of options. We're lucky to be in Ontario where we have 30 plus sports book operators uh, in the U S depending on your state, you probably have at least a handful. And if you're getting minus 115 on a coin toss, then it takes two seconds to go somewhere else and make a deposit where you're getting plus 100, for example. Even money bet. Yeah, exactly, exactly. But other than that, how was your Super Bowl? I want to. I quickly want to give a shout out to uh, the sneakiest moment of the entire stream that we did. Okay. Remember, Rob, diamonds <laughs> last forever. Diamonds last forever. Yes, that was a spanky, spanky. My first guest, who listen, I told Spanky this beforehand. I'm, I'm not having him on for his football expertise, right? want to bring in an audience to football start, acumen. to get to get the things going, uh, get a little bit excited. I did, I, I remember vividly hearing him say that. Same. 
Because he, I, I believe he said diamonds last forever and so does spank odds. Yes, if, and I was like, oh, okay, yeah, that's great. Like I didn't process it in real time, but there was a hidden message in there. Diamonds last. Super Bowl, diamonds, last song of the halftime show, which at that time was available at 10 to one in market, nine to one in market, then got bet pretty heavily one way. But even Spanky came through. I'm dog. I, I didn't count that towards the record. I'm not counting oh. hidden messages towards the record. Could have bet Diamonds last song. He could have bet Diamonds last song. Remember Rob Diamonds last forever and so does Spank. <laughs> at Rob Pizzola with the diamond. Uh, what did you think on the dress? Rihanna's dress fiasco. Well, I I mean, I think it was a red dress. Yeah, I think it was a red dress. I can understand like the TV colors and whatever. It depends on which TV you're watching, but it's pretty clear with the images of like her walking into the stadium um, that it was a red dress. So you can't grade two dress colors as the winner. It's either red or it's pink. It's not both. It is what it is. <laughs> it is what it, it is. It was, it was red. I mean, I listen. Like Captain Jack's joke after with the Gatorade color. Oh, that was funny. That I was did laugh. I mean, listen, listen I, think, I think a lot of what Captain Jack was doing over the course of that day was prodding, so to speak, at other people with the comments. Like, I think he very much knew that the dress was red, but he was trying to keep it going, which I actually found a little bit amusing because most people didn't catch that sarcasm. They just thought it was all real and he really thought everything that he was saying. But uh, Super Bowl went pretty well for me. My pick on the stream was a winner. Boom. Back me and you, dubs. you we, we, saved, we saved the stream, man. And Luke. And, and lay it with lay Luke, it. who we had in studio here last year. Uh, the, the three winners at the end of the stream brought us into the profit, but uh, yours was sweat-free because like Miles Sanders fumbled the first play of the game and then he went to the locker room and he was just like, that was it, cooked. That, but that was a great play regardless. Under one and a half catches, and I even said you know I'd take under one catch as well, which also would have won at uh, around plus 140 or more. Glad to give out a winner. It feels nice. Hate giving out losers. Yes, agreed. Um, Jalen Hurts' anytime touchdown was nice as well. Get it out of the way quickly as well. As soon as I saw uh, Gainwell go down, you knew you knew like he was down? I, it, it was. Like, I knew he was down. I saw. Him. I, I it saw kind him. of felt like that, but then on the replay, I'm like, oh, this is this is cashed. It's done. They're, they're gonna. They would sneak that four times if they had to before they hand it off. But um, I had a really big winner and a really big loser on the Super Bowl. So the big winner was Jalen Hurts' last touchdown of the game, which I got roughly at plus nine hundred or so. What was the rationale behind that bad boy? Uh, it was just because I thought the anytime was so mispriced that I basically bet him wherever I could. First and last as well. Yeah. but He, the, he got first and last. Yes. And anytime. Yeah. Do you have the first as well? Yeah, but not, not a ton. Not a ton. The one that I got cooked on was the one that I bet on Super Bowl Sunday as I was doing the live stream of Pizza Buffet on Pinnacle. I came across a prop that I had to do a double take on. And the prop was, will any kick in the Super Bowl hit an upright or crossbar or whatever it was worded, basically. And will it doink? Will it doink, basically. And I'm looking at the price on this, and I'm like, this cannot be the right price. Like minus 570 on the no. That's 85% implied probability. I'm like, this has to be closer to 95%. And on, so where was that at Pinnacle? I bet it at Pinnacle. I bet it elsewhere as well. Try to average my cost. Five figure loss on that bet. Very depressing because of the way 
in which I called that. I On the stream, I only said Harrison Butker. Yep. I did not <laughs> mention Elliot. I only said Harrison Butker. I watched the Super Bowl with Zach. And he can attest to this. We don't have video. But as he lined up for this that kick, I said it's going to hit the left upright. Yep. And it hit yep. the left upright. Just a straight doink. Not even doink in. As soon as I saw it curving, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm thinking like, okay, this might miss, but boom, doink right off the upright. All the plus 400s or whatever cash. I would make that bet again. I honestly would. Saw somebody post a ticket of that. Plus 310. Oh my God. The worst price in the market. See, this is the thing that really upsets me is because I get into this argument. I I do content on the Mayo Media Network as well, weekly, with Pat Mayo and Cam Stewart. Both are more recreational betters. And they they honestly know how to get under my skin. And they will needle me on stuff like this all the time. They'll be like, plus 310, it's a winner. You you lost your bet. And I'm trying to explain to them like the rationale and like the plus 310 is a ter- first of all, it's a terrible price. Yeah, like one in four games is it it, it's, And they're like, well, he's got, he's got 310 bucks and you lost 570. How do you feel about it? I'm like, well, I lost a lot more than 570. But <laughs> um, yeah, like it, 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 there's, no, there's no argument you can make with that person at that time. And listen, I get betting is for fun as well. And some people just want to make entertaining bets. And we've talked about this a lot. There's nothing wrong with that, but like we're price sensitive. We preach price sensitivity. If Even if I want to make a recreational entertaining bet, I'm still going to look for a better price. Like I would never settle for plus 310 on that bet. I love, I love gambling as much as the, the rest of us, but it's not even, it's not that fun to bet that at plus 310. Like, you know, it's just a, you know, you're probably going to lose that bet. It's just like, it's tough to do. So yeah, I got you, but we, it is what it is. I, I Would you play it again next year at the same price? Yeah, because like I think what I didn't know this actually going in, but apparently I think four of the last six Super Bowls had a field goal or a kick hit an upright doink, and that's why it was priced this way. Let's be real here, because yeah, it's like course, a re- it's like the safety prices when they changed after there were safeties in the Super Bowl. Buddy, right? if I tell you the for six years in a row after the Ravens forty nine Super Bowl, I bet no stadium blackout. <laughs> <laughs> I wish they would offer this again right now. Literally, no stadium power outage. Right, was was offered because there was one power outage. I, I mean, but so it's like a recency bias type thing. Of course, I'd make that bet again. Of course, I would make that if they if they offered that bet for every single NFL game for the rest of the time. I'd bet every single NFL game minus one seventy, no kick to hit the upright. Minus five seventy. A uh, minus five seventy. But there was some other sweats like Kevin Davis, who hosts a ninety degrees right here on the Circles Off YouTube channel as well. The balls on that guy. Most people who come on like the Super Bowl prop stream. Like you get people who come on and they're looking to give like a long shot, like a big winner. We had a Harrison Butker MVP, 350 away. Could not have lost more. Right, exactly. First kick missed, right? <laughs> so, which I don't care. I mean, you're taking, a, you're, you're swinging for the fences. You want to be the hero. Joey Kanish comes on, Kadarius Tony, first Chiefs reception, eight to one. You, you want to be a hero? Fine, be a hero. Kevin Davis comes on and he, he's like, I'm laying minus 750 on no kicker to miss two or more field goals in the game. And of course, first kick of the game, (laughs) miss field goal. The the amount that that guy must have been sweating. The the Super Bowl is no longer enjoyable at that point. You're sweating, Bucker. That last kick, you're like, please make this kick. Of course. And and like from the 19-yard line, and I actually had a prop on it not to go to overtime as well. 
Oh, that's Which, good. Then uh, you got that, that Butker kick at the end. Well, it wasn't even the Butker kick. It was more the penalty call. That as well. That was, that was going on. That was well. Uh, lot, lots of things worked in my favor there, but game was almost scripted. There was, uh, you know, 37, 34 was the wrong script. 38, 35. Close. Mm, close. Where'd you guys watch the game? Uh, in, in my dungeon, in the basement. Yeah. The, so you had the boys over. Or what? Yeah. I had the hammer HQ team, uh, producers, Zach Phillips behind the glass here, Jacob, Jason Cooper, and, uh, my director of content, Alex Moretto, partner in crime. It was a pretty. It was a fun game. It was just like a a, a little bit of a. What was the combined combined net wins or losses there? Combined net ROI from the from the team. I would say very high, yeah. but honestly, for like a lot for most of us, it just came down to what the anthem time was. You guys went yeah. went hard. On the anthem. <laughs> we we, oh, we, we made, like you know you you have general idea of what the anthem time is going to be, but like there was middles that happened on the anthem this year depending on the books. There's 30 books in Ontario. Not every single one offered the Anthem time, obviously. It's just like a handful. But then you have some other accounts and so on. So that was a good start. But we, we had a lot of the same bets, I would say. we were There wasn't guys really rooting against each other a whole lot. Um, I can't speak on behalf of everyone, but I think most people had a good night. Good. Glad yeah. to hear. Yeah, it's... it's I, I just... I just really wanted to see the Eagles try to drive. Like it, it just felt like a from a, a neutral, like forget about betting aside. And I'm not, I won't make comment commentary on the call. I actually, in hindsight, think it was the right call during the broadcast when it was happening. They really did not show the hold on the initial break from the receiver. Showed the second, one. they just kept showing like the the ticky tack down the field stuff. I'm like, that's not a hole. Then Greg Olson, the commentator, I actually think is very good, but he's very fixated on that as well. Um, and then like post-game, you kind of got all the angles and you saw the initial hold and you have James Bradbury come out and say it was a hold. Um, but that was, it, 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 it put a damper on what could have been maybe the greatest Super Bowl ever if the Eagles like went down the field. And scored a titter and, and just, yeah, with like no time left. Exactly. You know what though? I will say like they... They, they usually don't call those. So, yeah, it was a hold, but, like, they usually don't call that. It is kind of a soft call for that scenario. So I, I'm with the, the whole football media stuff. At the end of the day, if you if you just evaluate every single penalty and every single play, you'll find at least one penalty, if not more, on every single play. In between someone doing a holding or an illegal hands to the face or something like that or a bump. And so even on passing, like on any catch downfield, if you want to, you can kind of call a pass interference. There's no real standardized rule. So there it is what it is. They called it as is. That's why, you know, if, uh, if you lost a lot of money, unfortunate, but uh, that's why, you know, bet responsibly, bet within your means, bankroll manage. If you had a ton tied to the Eagles or anything like that, it sucks to lose like that, you know? Uh, one thing I found very interesting the day after the Super Bowl, so that was on Monday of this week, was a tweet from Barry Horse. On Twitter, Barry Horse is uh, he he kind of emerged as a as a big baseball better several years ago. Is now working with a larger group. Doesn't tweet all that much anymore in terms of stuff, uh, but he tweets on February thirteenth. Curious, if you bet last night's game and the same game was played again next week with the same players and health levels, who did you bet on and would you bet them again? What are the results here? So the result I, I voted as well. I voted on this as well. So 796 votes came in. I bet KC and would rebet KC 52%. Bet KC and wouldn't rebet KC 13%. Bet Philly and would rebet Philly 
29%. Bet Philly and wouldn't rebet Philly, 6%. So 58% of people would bet on KC right now by those numbers. And in the previous, there was actually 64% of people. So, so a six-person swing would have actually went from KC to betting on the Eagles based on the game, despite the fact that the Eagles, that KC won. Agreed. Now, I, 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 I voted on this poll even though I didn't bet the game. Because, like, sometimes I just want to see... The, there's, like, a see review results button somewhere or something like that. I never click that. I just click, click. So I voted bet KC and would rebet KC because it's the top option and I wanted to see the results. But what I find so fascinating about this, and there's a long thread that accompanies this later on that day from Barry Horse. The game was basically a coin flip before the game and turned out to essentially be a coin flip. Disagree? Agree? Pretty much, yeah. I mean, 80% of the people would make the exact same bet on a coin flip before the game that turned out to be a coin flip. Do you not find that like extremely funny to me? Like how, how did, is anyone have so much conviction that they're like, no, no, for sure. It was KC was the right side. Philly was the right side. I'm pretty sure like the Eagles outplayed, like the Eagles were... I, I, see, I don't, I don't believe in any of this stuff. When you say like the right side, or yeah, whatever. no, no, like I, the Eagles definitely were the team that should have won the game, I, given given where they were at the half, like the way they played. The Eagles should have definitely won the game. But when you say should have, it's like, you know, not not really. Like it's, a, it was still a coin flip. Like at the, at no point were the Eagles like the the highest they were was roughly or just before the half, which yeah. would have been in the in and around the range of. Let's say fair price minus three twenty five, minus three twenty five. It's yeah, it's a significant favorite, but those lose every day. Those lose, of course, all the time. And if you if you look at a football game over the course of the season, you're going to have a very high percentage that go higher than that type of odds. Yeah, at some point. you didn't have like the Eagles at one point at like minus six thousand, and then. But I, like my my what I'm laughing about is there like there's so much conviction in these results, and it's a small sample, seven hundred ninety six votes. Who knows how many of them are actually real or not, but. Like if, if you bet KC or Philly, how do you walk away from that game being like, just like you absolutely had the right side of the game? Like it, the game was it came down to the wire, was, a, in my opinion, as close to a coin flip as you can get, where there was several times over the course of the latter, over the course of the game where things changed pretty aggressively. I, I just, I just find this hilarious. Like, this is so fun. Like... It's like confirmation bias. I, I, I don't know what... It, it's just the weirdest thing. Like, if I bet either side of this game and I saw what happened in the game, there's no way I would have rebet it at any point. It's like, 0% chance. Like, the game was so close. How, how like... You wouldn't rebet this at minus 110 aside. No. You just leave it. Fair or, enough. Whatever the price was before the game. What Like, in my opinion... This was a very good price on the Super Bowl. I mean, Pinnacle Sportsbook was taking 550k US dollars on the side at kickoff. Yeah, FYI, don't operate in the US. Rob's just saying currency equivalent. Right. For mo- for our audience that's in the US, you'd understand that's 775k yeah, Canadian. Canadian. Okay? As soon as they opened up their live betting, they opened it up at 50k a pop immediately to start the game. This is like, they're very, 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 very confident in this number. Extremely confident. All the bets that they've processed over the course of the week. And then the game turns out to be a coin flip 
and there's still people who would just just like no, KC was the right side. Philly was the right side. It's I don't I don't. What was the worst bet you saw placed on the on the game on the big game? Uh, that's a good question. I don't know that there's one that stand out to me that rattled me. I I, I don't know. The the worst value bets are usually from what I've seen. The worst worst value bets are people who bet on the stuff that's already the known info and they bet the wrong thing. So like if you bet the Rihanna first song and you didn't have the info and you just took one that was like plus 2,500, that's typically one of the worst bets. Second worst is like if you take the um, person to show up alongside Rihanna. like Oh yeah, Jay-Z. Yeah, Jay-Z. Like those are... I, have, have those won? Like there's had to have won at one point. There was a few. that There's definitely been a few Super Bowls where there has been... Uh, Someone that's accompanied the the main person. Recently, you have, have to like you have to pick who, and usually it's no. I know, of course, like that. There's, so yeah, I think those are the worst bets overall. Well, that that's then, that's the thing. Like, I don't that it's not predatory by the sports book because people people want to bet this stuff, but like there's not enough education out there about the novelty props that if you're gonna go bet it, like right before the game time. Or whatever, like the outcome is already known and it's been processed in the market for the most part. Yeah, it's yeah. not not much value. Well, one of the books that I saw had um, three people in minus money to show up alongside Rihanna. Three people. It was ASAP Rocky, Jay Z, and Drake. They were all minus to show up, and there was no option to bet no, like no appearances. Mm-hmm. And like people are obviously betting that. It is what it is. Well, I saw um, another bet that I really dislike is people who bet the MVPs and then they take the players who are like right in the no man's land. Oh yeah. So I do think the biggest negative EV bets on the MVP market are actually typically on like the running backs. So you'd have like Sanders, Pacheco, like Pachenko as, Pachenko, uh, as late Boston, with Luke Scott. Luke, yeah. Um, guys like Sanders, like to win the MVP, it's like 2,400 and the shot at which it takes from the win the MVP is like so, so much less likely than 2,400 like even with the hold that's already being built in, which is typically bigger on those markets, and you factor in the fact that's like super unlikely for him to win in that scenario. Like I think those are probably the worst value bets that involve the actual game and the thinking. Obviously, if you're going to just take like coin toss at certain amounts and yeah. like that, that stuff's just like known edges. But uh, yeah, worst bets I think typically are those those three I mentioned, like the novelty stuff when you just kind of pick and choose, and you're like, ah, whatever. Jay Z might might come on. Let me let me toss a hundred bucks on that, and then. Uh, the MVP markets there, but a lot of a uh, lot of fun bets as well. Come Super Bowl and uh, good some good stuff. What was your? I won't even say biggest win, but like your your favorite bet that you placed that cashed. And then on the opposite side of things, what was like the the one that hurt the most? Um. So favorite bet that cashed. Uh, honestly, like for the fun of it, like the tails plus one hundred one. Like again, it's not. It wasn't a big bet or anything. It's just like, hey, like I got this. Let me take it. So that was fun just to just to see it win. Like you lose that, I would have kind of been rattled. Like, ah, damn it. Like lost this bet. Um, <laughs> best bet, favorite bet I made that I was like, was just an easy, easy, quick winner was uh, Miles Sanders under three and a half yards first carry. Mm. And then it was just like a quick one that just bounced first play of the game. And then a uh, bet that I lost that was a little... It's like just because of, you know, overall, like the, the the way that it kind of progressed was actually like Jalen Hurts MVP. I had like super good numbers on that. And then that's essentially after he gets the three touchdowns or even before then, it's like, all right, 
Hurts is the MVP as long as the Eagles win the bowl. Yep. It's, it's locked and loaded. As soon as he got the second rushing touchdown, it's like mid, not even at the end of the first half. You're like, this guy can't not win MVP if Philly wins it. Agreed. I'm good here. And then you just see Philly blow the game. So at that point, I guess I did I did have a position on Philly essentially at the money line, although I didn't have that bet directly. Did you have any like big, like minus a thousand losses or in that uh, range or anything no, like that? No losses. That's all, good. all winners in, the, in that That's range. good. All those winners. are the ones that suck. Yeah, I had all winners in those, and then I had pretty much all losers in the uh, the high pluses. Yeah, so it was one of those years. Yep. Yeah. Aside from the Hertz um, last, last touchdown, touchdown, I I didn't have any big plus money, like big plus money ones. Yeah, yeah that's it. I had. I mean, so I had a. Oh, I guess. I don't want to like say say too too much about all the stuff I had, but I had a bunch of uh, props that were in the range of like plus eight hundred to like plus two thousand on one certain bet type mm-hmm. that I was pretty bullish on, and then just uh, never came to fruition on any of them. So got got swept on those ones. It is what it is. That happens. At least it was a good game, man. That's it. We've had a, a couple good games in a row. I think both. I think last year Bengals Rams kind of ended in the same like lackluster way or just like, well, it had that also holding call, uh, on near the goal line as well. That resulted in TD. Yep. All right. What else well, we got to well, talk? I here, got right? a question real quick yeah, for exactly. Johnny. Last thing for super bowl. Cause I obviously talked to Rob about this. The biggest halftime promotion of all time. Rob Gronkowski. Kick. Oh, oh my God. I forgot. To, this. This. I, I, we didn't even mention that. I lost. I did have that. So I had Gronkowski minus 230. Yes. Okay. So you had Gronkowski What'd minus 230. Yes. Um, I can't remember the exact prices I took, but I did same game parlays with Chiefs to win and Gronk to make the kick. Eagles to win and Gronk to make the kick just because it paid better. Basically, it was like better price than taking the minus 230 if I was doing that. Fair enough. So yeah, you just basically just double the bet. You know you're going to lose one, you know. Exactly. Right. So you're but what first of all, this is my own fault. By the way, I missed it by the way. Okay. I mean, I don't see know in real time. I, I probably went to go grab a beer or something I missed it. I'm the asshole here. So I preach this all the time to people and I'm going to eat my words here or just admit fault. I'm the guy that says, like, you got to know the rules. You got to know what you're betting with all these bet types and whatever. For some reason, I thought Gronk was just going to come out onto the field at some point in the game. And he was just going to fucking kick a field goal. No, I knew it wasn't at the actual field. See, but I'm, it it I'm was supposed to be live. It, it was live. But you know? it, it was supposed Bro, to be this live. This was a, the biggest fucking joke I've, I cannot even believe that this actually happened. FanDuel better give me a refund <laughs> right now for this bet. You mad, bro? I am. I was very mad because first of all, I watched it. I thought it went in. Okay. I've still now. I've seen the alternate angle. Now you still win. Like they just had it already. What was that? I'm, I'm, I got to be very careful with my words here because I've never. You know, I talk about things not being not being rigged and whatever. I'm not suggesting that this is rigged in any way. It looked like a CGI kick, bro. Yeah. It didn't even look like this was real life. It, I never seen the ball move that way on a, and everyone's like, Oh, it was really windy in Arizona and whatever. Do you see the ball move on that 25 yard <laughs> field goal? It was absurd how far like, and then there was the, the one that circulated around Twitter, which is just the uprights. And the ball disappearing behind the upright. It looked very clear in that picture. Now, listen, I'll accept the L. I'm going to eat the L. It's uh, on, on me. 
and I did see that side, the, the side angle. That wasn't right. They, was, this was horrendous. Now, listen, we're talking about it. At the end of the day, FanDuel wants us to be talking about this right now. But I'm going to believe their name. In terms, of, <laughs> in terms of execution of this promotion, hor- horrendous. Horrible. They they did all this co- these commercials beforehand, and it was just it was literally a commercial during the game where they said it was live. We have no freaking clues out in the desert in some other field. And whatever. it just came on. It just like random. Here's Gronk, and he drops to his knees after he misses the kick, and there's some fireworks. And I I, I it took me minutes to process what happened. <laughs> I actually just sat there in disbelief of what I watched. We we're all looking. It was quiet. Oh, we we're all just like, what What did we just watch? I was with a bunch of guys watching the game who were betting, and like they primarily use, uh, you know, they use a bunch of books, but they had bets on FanDuel. And then they'd be like, they're just like, oh, come on, dude. Like, what is this? What do, oh, I get five, what do I get? A $5 casino spin? Like, I don't even give a shit. They're all just, everyone was just rattled at that, man. It, it, I don't know. I'm an idiot, man. Obviously, in hindsight, they weren't going to just bring Gronk onto the field to kick a field goal I, during the Super Bowl. At least but, buy like a 30 second slot for that. They just like, it was like a, what was it 15 seconds 10 seconds i i i cannot i don't have the words to explain what i wa- witnessed there but whatever i did was such and by the way like gronk here's the thing this to me i'm exaggerating when i say this but i don't even want gronk in the hall of fame anymore you're a pro <laughs> you're you're a pro athlete and you've been practicing for weeks on this and you can't kick a 25 yard field goal come on man this is Rob Gronkowski, professional athlete, built like a fucking truck. The guy who took Frank Brank yard in college. Did Nobody he? Knows what I'm, yeah. In, Frank in Brank ball? Was, he was a pitcher? Frank Brank was on our uh, forward progress Super Bowl stream, gave out a winning bet, combined under Mahomes Hurts passing yards. Guy's multi-sport player. You know what I'm saying? Gronkowski played ball? Played baseball. baseball. Nobody wanted to pitch to that guy. He's just taking everybody just a to bomber. town. But but what the fuck was that, man? It was like, anyways. Good shit. I, uh, I don't want to see that gimmicky shit during the Super Bowl anymore. I don't want to see it. I hope nobody does that anymore. I hope this, this to me, was at, the points bet Drew Brees stuff was a, like a disaster. The One of the, some of the dumbest marketing I've ever seen. This is coming from a non-marketer, by the way, and I'm still talking about the points bet Drew Brees thing. But this one was on another level. Like, it outdid the shittiness of that Drew Brees lightning strike. Like, it was so shit. Unbelievably. I I can't believe I bet on that, man. That was just absolute dust. I, I, you know, for... I I have myself... I'm not blaming anybody but myself. I know I've said all this stuff about... Ultimately, I clicked the submit button... It's on me. I should have known what was coming. Fair enough. Uh, what else we got to talk about today? I know we had a couple uh, yes. couple things here. So I want to get your thoughts on um, the Minty Bets tweet. Ah, Mint. The Mint. The Mint. So Minty Bets, uh, at Minty Bets on Twitter, um, was on the UFC broadcast. I'm not a big UFC fan anymore. Yep. I was back in the day. You know I'm a massive fan. What was, what was the event? For this week? Yeah. Volkanovski versus Makachev. So I think she was on before this. What what, what was the week? Oh, before? This was from the Spivak fight. It was yeah. uh, from two weeks ago. So she came under fire a lot for a couple of things. 
Yeah, um, this was this was all time. A lot of people gave her shit for this. Yes. So one was a response to a tweet where someone asked her what under two and a half means um, if you're betting a UFC fight. And the response is on screen. Under two and a half means it cannot enter the third round. In my experience, it doesn't literally have to be under the halfway point of the second round for you to cash your bet. However, this may be different per book. In my opinion, it could be a discrepancy that you found under two and a half minus 190 and not to start round three. Minus so, so the guy who was saying this, he wasn't just asking her, hey, what does under two and a half mean? He was like, I think I found like an arbitrage opportunity where I can bet like the over on this round and the under two and a half on this round, which was obviously not the case, given that he was unaware that under two and a half, for those who don't know listening, it's not like a run in baseball where if you get two runs, it's under two and a half. It's literally, the rounds are five minutes. It's literally two minutes and 30 seconds of that round is two and a half. So you have to go two rounds plus two minutes, 35, two minutes and 30 seconds. And then if you're 231 in, now it hit. Right. So this was the perfect storm for Minty Betts that night because there was this tweet and there was also the fact that she gave out picks on the broadcast and they all lost. No, so, I didn't even know that. Yeah. So it was not a great Mint. night for her on, on social. Um which honestly, it shouldn't really matter because they usually have Johnny the Greek on that broadcast. And there's people who I, I know that are actually retired off of fading his picks on the <laughs> UFC. I don't, I don't know why I didn't jump in on that earlier. But anyway, she came under a, a lot of fire for this specific tweet. And I get it, for one. You are a betting analyst or portray yourself as a betting expert in the space. You got to know this stuff, Period. And if you're going to respond, respond and put it in writing or put it on a video and it's just totally incorrect. I mean, you deserve, I don't, I don't like, you don't deserve people. Some of the things people say on social are just undeserving in general, but is it fair to, for people to have backlash when you portray yourself as a betting analyst, betting expert? Yes, I think it is 100%. Now, she does say in this tweet that it may be different per book. It's, it's almost like, okay, this is what I think. Go and consult your book. See what it's like. I have never seen a book that grades this any differently than this. Have you? Uh, I will say there is none. Okay. So in the tweet, there is some like positive, like there is a message there that I think people can take home, which is, it is there are different book rules. I've never seen anything differently. With that said, I think getting backlash for this tweet is fair, personally. Getting backlash for being on the UFC broadcast, I think is unfair. Maybe a little bit fair, but mostly unfair. Because if you were, if you were asked, would you, would you accept that job? That's, this is what I'm saying, right? Like, put yourself in the shoes of someone who's in the betting space right now creating content, putting out picks, doing whatever. Um, and the UFC comes to you and says, we want you to give out betting picks on our broadcast. The vast, vast majority of people are going to say yes. So like she got asked to be on the UFC broadcast. She gave out picks on the broadcast. She did her job. I didn't watch it. I didn't see it. For all the negative stuff that she got, there's a lot of people giving positive reinforcement saying she did a good job. I don't know what the goals for the UFC are on that broadcast, but people think it's like, oh, just put someone on the broadcast that's going to give me winners. Like, think about everything that goes into producing something like this. 
There's a sportsbook sponsor. There's a demographic that they're trying to reach. For all we know, she did exactly what was asked of her in that position. And 99% of the people out there would do it. I don't even bet the UFC. If you asked me to be a UFC betting analyst and go on the UFC broadcast, I'd probably do it. That's yeah, a, that's I'm, like an experience of a that, lifetime. No no of course. So like, don't get on her for that. That's ridiculous. Like some people just take it to the next levels of like, oh, why is she there? Why is she this and that? It's like, you don't know what the goals of the broadcast are, right? Like if you're giving betting picks on a broadcast, the sports book wants to get their name out there. They want to drive engagement and they want to drive action at their sports book. People are like, re- will respond to Minty Bets and be like, oh, DraftKings isn't sponsoring any content that they, th- that they deem sharp or they don't want anyone sh- sharp giving out picks on the UFC broadcast. They honestly don't even fucking consider that. No, they do. That's why, that's why the Hammer Betting Network's not sponsored by DraftKings. It's too sharp. There we go. But we work with recreational sports books, right? And there's sharp action on, the, on, on a lot of the shows that we do. We track our picks. There's an Edgework account on, on Betstamp. There's a, a pick and roll account on Betstamp. Luke's Locks is in the green. Somehow Luke's Locks is in the green. Johnny, have you seen the Edgework account? How we're doing, the yeah. NHL? You guys are doing good, right? Yeah, buddy. The only account down, and I, I don't want to <laughs> chirp him because he's just, I got to tell him that story too. Hit the books. Hit the books is in the red. Hit the books is in the red. Kanish brought it down. Let's let's call it out for what it is. Brad, Do you have anything else to say on Minty? Otherwise, I got a good story with Kanish. I do. I Listen, Sorry, go ahead. When you put yourself out there, you're going to put yourself out there for criticism. And it's it's always going to happen. Like, look at, honestly, search my name on Twitter and look at half the replies I get. Search Rob Pozzola idiot. It's because like, <laughs> some stuff's going to come up. I, I just mute and move on. I don't see most of the stuff. And if it's a new person that created a new account or someone new, I just move mute and I move on with my life because there's always going to be haters out there. So you can be upset for the tweet. I think that's fair because I think that you got to know better if you're in that case. If you're if you are going to portray yourself as a betting expert, you better be a betting expert. And it's okay to not do that, by the way. It's okay to produce content and say like, you can be like Pat Mayo and be like, yeah, I like to bet. I don't necessarily win at betting, but we're going to have some fun. We're going to make entertaining content. And boom, you don't, and not everyone has to be a winner. Like, again, if this is, I'm, I'm going back to the same rant I have like once every 10 episodes. You don't have to be a winner. You don't have to be an expert. It's okay for you to respond to somebody and say, I don't know the answer to that. I do it all the time. People DM me questions and say, I don't know. I actually don't understand the math behind this. Maybe you should message plus EV analytics. Maybe you should message this person and point them in the right direction. It's okay to do that. But don't criticize her for taking a, like basically a dream job for a lot of people. I'm not saying I know, I don't know Minty at all. I've never met her. I don't think I've ever interacted with her. But that criticism is unfair for one, because everybody would do that. And it's part of the job. And some people might say, they might have like a moral or ethical thing with that, right? Which is like, oh, you you shouldn't be giving out picks if you're not a winner on the broadcast. That's unethical or whatever. That's more gray area and open to interpretation. I have no problem with Minty Betts being on a UFC broadcast, but she should probably be portrayed in like a real light rather than an expert. I think when you start calling people experts in the space, there's this connotation that's associated with that of, uh, they know exactly what they're talking about. And I actually think more recreational betters should be incorporated into broadcasts, but it should be done in a way 
where people don't view them as like the be all end all go to this person knows everything about the sport. That's not what it's about. Yeah, no, I, I agree. And a lot of people get hate online and um, especially in Twitter, it's like pretty toxic. And at the end of the day, like those are just like, that's just a person. She's just doing her job. Like why, why is everyone like hating on it? Like, because some people think that they're above that. They're above doing that job. Really? They're they're above tweeting at her from a burner account. John, behind behind a thing. I've lived through this. And listen, you, you can tell me I was wrong or whatever. But when I was in my early 20s, when I was working at the score, the first on-air gig that I got was a show called Covers Experts. Okay? I basically ran an infomercial for Covers Handicappers at the time. Most of whom are were long-term losers, and I didn't know it. I didn't know any better. I was entering the space... And like, I'm talking to these guys on on a daily basis and they can all talk the talk, right? You don't know when you're in your twenties. And that was an on-air gig for me. I would never have passed that up. I didn't know any better. And even if I did know any better at that time, I probably still would have done it. I'm just being real with the audience. Like you want to break into, you want to reach your goals. Like you, you want to do it in a way that is ethical, obviously, but this is the space. If you turn down a gig like that, and I, I sympathize with some people because you, you're just going to, there's going to be another hundred people, thousands of people lining up to take that spot, right? So the criticism of her being on the broadcast is unfounded. Um, it, it's just, I have more criticism with the broadcast in general. The broadcast itself? Well, no, but, but how they portray the people that go on. Yeah. Like Johnny the Greek giving out picks. That guy is a fucking scammer. Like through and through a lifetime scammer gave out, you know, steam plays, plays that already steamed for years. Like that guy should not be portrayed as an expert. He should not be anywhere near a broadcast in my opinion. Okay. And I know how he can talk and portray himself and whatever. He flat out scammed people for years, plain and simple. Okay. So do I blame him for going on the broadcast? No. You know, you're going to ask him and he's, he's like, fuck yeah, of course I'm going to do it. I love the UFC. I love to give out picks or whatever. Probably getting paid pretty well too. Right. I'm not blaming him. It's on the UFC to run their broadcast properly. And I don't know what their goals are, but like look in the mirror and maybe just find someone like even if they're not an expert in the space, you can have them on the broadcast. Just don't portray them as an expert in the space. Like just what happened to just being real with the audience? Like just be real with people. I don't understand why we have to turn everybody who is bet on sports at some point in their life into an expert on betting on sports. Yeah. It's okay to talk about sports and not be an expert. It's fine. It's okay to talk about sports betting and not be an expert. Just the audience should know that. Like, why is that, why do you, like, is there, why is that hard? Is it the ego of the sports better where they're like, I can't admit that I'm a losing better or whatever. Like, I don't know what it is. Well, I don't know. I don't know if people would really like listen to them on sports betting if they didn't think that they were were a winner. That's another thing though. Sure. But like, okay, look at, look at Trent. Look at Trent. He's made, he's, he's got a hundred. I rescind my comment. He's made a hundred. He's got 160 K followers on Twitter. I don't even know what his TikTok is at or whatever. He's made that following off of making fun of himself for losing bets for the most part. He does other things well, okay? That's just one, that's one guy. 
He's built a sense of community with people, right? That resonates with people. Look at Barstool. Like the people who the people who are betting the Barstool picks every week. You know, big, I, I love Big Cat. I think he's a fuck, he's fucking great personality. He's hilarious, okay? Portnoy, like, do you think people are winning tailing these picks? They must realize that they're not winning tailing these picks over time, but it's not, it, it's like this sense of camaraderie amongst the group. We're going to win together. We're going to lose together. There's an appetite for that in the space. Big Cat's not going on broadcasts and portraying himself as an expert. You know, I, I couldn't agree more. So there, there's an appetite I, I for that. in my earlier statement. You're right. There's an yeah, appetite for that. There are people, though, that want to watch our YouTube channels and the Right Angle Sports YouTube channel and Unabated Sports and whatever because there's an appetite for sharp content out there as well. For everyone that consumes content, it's a little bit different in what they're looking for. Some people want to watch a 45-minute show because they want to get four or five good picks in that show. And they know that when they go bet them, they're probably going to get closing line value. They probably have a good chance to win them. There's another segment of the population that doesn't care for that 45-minute show. They want a 45-minute show where guys and girls are just being buds and chilling out and talking sports and firing off a million bets. And they're going to have a ton to cheer for tonight. And that's fine. There's an appetite for that. Just be real with the audience. That's it. That's it. People, people just should not be misled into believing that the content creator is something that they're not. That's why we track all of the stuff that we do on the hammer. Every pick that's given out on a show, we track it in bet stamp because at any point and we promote it, it's on the screen on every single show that we do. The bottom of the screen, the bet stamp account where we track the picks because that way someone who's tuning into the content can go and they can look through the entire history of those picks and say, maybe I should tail these. Maybe I should fade them. Maybe I should do nothing with this, but I find this show entertaining. You can make an informed decision. That, that's quite literally the only way you should be able to do content with giving out picks is by having some sort of accountability so that you're not scamming the people. I, I love that Pozzola does that obviously on the shows. It, it just adds, for me, for me personally, like if I'm looking through a piece of content and I have no way to track what this person's record is, whatever. Like, there's no credibility in that. And then even a lot of times it's like, oh, yeah, record to be found here. And then it's like, well, where's this season? Uh, this season's not here. This season's not here. Where was this bets? How do I know this was a stale line? All this shit. Like, we do it in a good way where it's live in the show. You can follow the account on Betstamp anyways, meaning that if you miss a show, you can still just, you, you don't have to always be constantly like, you know, if you miss a show from yesterday, you don't have to go back, check the picks, make sure they did everything legit. It's all legit. It's all there. Exactly. We have our producers literally put them in in real time. Exactly. As the pick is given out on the show, Zach, who does edge work is and hosting, is putting in the pick, yeah. locking it in. And a lot of times it's on the actual screen of the broadcast you can see that's happen. locked in. You know, it's like crazy. every single pick I give out on edge work is on that edge work account. I expect to win at hockey in the long run. I think I've established myself as someone who can win on hockey, but every single pick I give on that show is on that account and it's tracked. I track my NFL Sunday morning pizza buffet powered by Pinnacle. I don't expect to win on that show. I put it in the bio specifically of the show because I don't want to mislead people into thinking that they're going to go there on Sunday at 12 noon and be able to take all the picks that I've locked in and then go and bet at Pinnacle into a $100,000 market and be able to win. I don't think I can personally do that. I have a negative ROI 
when I do that show on Sunday mornings over the course of the last three years since I've been tracking on BetStamp. Does it bother me? No, because that's kind of the expectation. People still find value in that. Maybe not in the picks itself. Maybe in the breakdowns of the game. Maybe they still want a tail because they think that there's, you know, what I'm saying might be something that can overcome the market in the long run. But ultimately, just be real. Just be real. If I was doing Monday morning NFL content, you'd probably see a different record, you know, but I'm not. I'm tracking it on Sunday. I'm not there to say, oh, you know, I did this, I did that. That Sunday show is going to do this over a long period of time. And I mean, that's that's it. It's just being real with the audience. Just be be real. Yeah. A lot of, a lot of you guys got uh, came after me after last episode with Fezzik there. That was the most polarizing episode we ever did. A lot of guys came after me. They're like, hey, this guy, like, you're so disrespectful to Fezzik. Like, listen, at the end of the day, I don't hide behind Twitter alias. I don't have my own Twitter. It's the only way I'm going to talk to the guy. Do it out in a public forum. Do I have an issue with the guy? Absolutely not. Do I believe that people are going to win by buying his picks? Absolutely not. So why am I not going to call him out on that instead of the same as, like, you guys, like, hiding behind Twitter aliases, calling people out? Like, say it to his face. We figure it out. I didn't, I didn't really think that he answered all the questions super well. Obviously, you guys heard my, uh, my thoughts with it. I don't think the guy is a long-term losing better. But I also don't think the picks that he's going to sell are going to win. So, like, might as well have a discussion about that. It was all in good fun. We're, we're buddy, buddy after the show. We're buddies. I talked to Fez. It's not yeah, we like talked I, to him 20 minutes off air yeah, afterwards. It's not, it's not anything. It's just like, hey, why can't we have a discussion on air without people saying Fez is a scumbag or without people saying like, oh, Johnny's uh, disrespectful, going hard on him. Like, Plus, also, another thing Rob mentioned earlier, like Rob gets a lot of hate on Twitter, obviously. Um, but you're not used to it. Oh, no, I, I, don't, I don't really care. I don't have Twitter. I don't right. really get to read much, to be honest. I, I don't see him unless like I go to actually check the the show for some reason well i checked the i checked the youtube comments for every show i do every week and like people are like no don't do that don't do that it's like why i honestly don't yeah, care they get the feedback like it, exactly the feedback is valuable no matter what i might disagree somebody might say oh rob you like you know you you let this guy off the hook or i didn't like you doing this i didn't like you doing that that's fine it's all valuable to me you know there's obviously a level of comment commentary that borders on disrespectful where now I don't value that opinion anymore. You're going to come out and just call me a plain idiot or a fraud or whatever. Like that, that to me does not resonate with me. I don't want to see that. So I'm going to mute you. I'm going to, I'm going to move on with life. But I, th- I thought the comments were fair last week. Like some people will say, no, we a lot of people supported me though. That's a what lot I'm saying. Of, like, this is more, what I'm we saying. had way more support. Wait, let's like at least like four to one in terms of people who were supporting. What I've noticed though, particularly is our YouTube audience. So like our organic YouTube audience is very different from our YouTube Gambling audience. Twitter. Yeah. So, so, so from our Twitter audience. So we have a certain number of views that I know on a week, the percentage of views that comes from our Twitter. When we tweet out the links and whatever, and it comes in, then we have a bunch of organic YouTube, people that have found us through YouTube and they're very different audiences. And you can see that because the, there's a, the Twitter group of people that watched the Fezzik episode wanted Fezzik to get Seward. Yeah, they wanted me to go more hard at it. They wanted... Why don't you say all this other stuff? They wanted... they For years, there's been a collection of people that they don't respect Fezzik. They have problems with him. So they wanted to see us drag him through the mud. 
I speak my mind. I don't conduct interviews like that. I, I can, if I'm very, very passionate about something, but that audience wanted to see that. The YouTube audience wanted to see like a more generic interview about this guy is a better, what he does, you know, this and that. And you're not going to be able to cater to everyone at all times. We'll never be able to do that. But I, 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 I watch, I never watch interviews back. I watched it back a couple days ago, Saturday, the day before the Super Bowl. I thought it was a freaking good episode, man. Yeah, we got a lot of good feedback. It was, uh, it was in, like no a way. very, enter- I, I think that we do good interviews personally. Yeah, I agree. Honestly, a uh, few other things for uh, the audience members. Because I did read, I, got, I was able to take a look at some more comments this week, given that this episode from Fezzik generated so much buzz. Um, but yeah, obviously, like, listen, we do this podcast for fun at the end of the day. Rob and I literally do it because we're like, hey, we get to bring on cool people that we like. We get to shoot the shit. It's a good chance for Rob and I to catch up once a week and even sometimes in these episodes have a discussion. Like, sure, I talk to Rob, you know, nearly every day, but usually it's about something specific. We're not just, I don't really just message him like, hey, you got like sick. What are your six bets for the Super right. Bowl? <laughs> so it's really good that we can actually even just have these chats. But for the most part, we do it for fun. Um so yeah, obviously we're open to any feedback on like how to improve it. But at the end of the day, like if it if this is going to become a podcast where like we got to be like corporate and have to no, start, doing, we're not going to do it. Like, I, I, that's that's not either of us. I mean, I'm never. Listen, I'll, I'll toe the line in how I deliver a message. I'll always do that, right? Like I don't want people to feel offended or hear something and take it in the wrong way. So I, I, I deliberately, for the most part, try to think about what I'm going to say before I say it. Now there are episodes where I just go off. That tweet that 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 girl sent me about sports betting and the NFL, you know, no basically the NFL would exist exact that just sent me spinning and I probably didn't rationalize or, or process my thoughts before I actually said that. But you again to 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 like to circle back wanted to use circle in there. <laughs> the true true like professional radio move right there. To circle back, it's about being real with the audience. You don't have to deliver the message in a way that's going to offend everyone or what. Just be real with people. And like, I'm not going to come on here. We have spo- we sponsored content, Pinnacle. I bet at Pinnacle. It's a sports book that I'm happy to promote or whatever. But like, I'm not sheltered from saying things about other sports books. If Pinnacle did people harm in any way or whatever, I wouldn't even stray from talking about that. It's, it's being real with what's going on in the betting space, helping educate people, bringing on guests that not necessarily are going to provide value to everyone, but like some of the interviews we do are for entertainment purposes. Jeff Benson, JJ. That was like, that just came together. It's the idea. These guys have been beefing on Twitter. Let's, let's bring them together and have fun. Of course, you know, we, we try to have fun with it. So we're all, I'm all about continuous improvement. We say this, you know, Johnny, you messaged me with a, a thread once from someone who built up a really large YouTube channel where one of the steps in the thread was like, on a monthly basis, just try to think of some, do something that's a little bit different than the month before to progress your channel. And I think about that and like, what would the audience want to see? And, but I never stray from being real with people. And I think that hopefully we've seen it with the growth of this channel and the listenership I, I see I'm an analytical person. I check the numbers every week. Starting to build an audience of people that are outside of the people that we that knew of us beforehand. 
And it's refreshing because I think being real with people ultimately resonates with people. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree. We're trying our best here. Another criticism that, I, that I've been getting recently is like, like I'm on my phone and stuff during the podcast and like, well, he has a, he has ADHD. Yeah. So but it's not, it's not, not even that. Like people don't really understand. It's like we film this in real time. Like yeah, we have it's, stuff going it's, on. It's yeah. It's hard. It's hard to, like, you guys got to realize, like obviously don't get paid to do the podcast. Like if we do it with Rob, he's not calling me cheap by the way. He's volunteered to not get, paid. no, this no, it's not. our, it's our podcast. <laughs> we do it. Like I, I, it's not like I'm getting paid for this. And if, even if I was like, I, it wouldn't be uh, my full-time job that I'm going to just like care, like, you know, come here and, Whatever. So I'm obviously running stuff throughout the day and just going on. And I think what a lot of people don't really realize is sometimes, you know, with all with traveling and other things and meetings like Rob and I can't always get we, we have to meet up in person to get this. And it doesn't always come to fruition where we can meet up every single week. So sometimes we'll have to do we'll run two episodes in one day. For example, last week with the with the Fezzik one, we actually had recorded that the week prior. So it was we recorded the Super Bowl episode. Yep. We recorded that one. The Super Bowl one went, ran about two hours. By the time we actually sit, Rob and I shoot the shit, Zach sets up, we do it probably in here two hours, two and a half hours. And then after that, we get Fezzik. By the time we actually get him on, start the thing, explain him, here's how it goes, set up his audio. Then after it's done, usually 20 minutes, we, usually we chatting the off shit. there. Yeah, yeah, with the guests. Like, hey, how was that? Well, whatever. By the time it was all undone, like that day, for example, like probably in here about five hours, if not more, straight. Like, I can't just take five hours, not be on my phone, not be on my computer. There's other stuff going on. And depending on the time in which we record, um, there's a lot of people that count on me for different stuff. So I do apologize. Obviously I tell the guests this in advance too. I say like, listen, like we're, we're here. Like it's a key time. I, I may have to, you know, do something while we're on. Like, don't think of it as a disrespect. I try to do it usually when Rob's talking, um, not derail anything, but it is what it is. Like if I can't take that and, and be able to check, then like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be able to do the podcast. Anyways, what you know, Johnny's saying, I like, appreciate you saying that, by the way, but we value the feedback anyways. So it's always open. Obviously, there's reasons that we do things sometimes, which, I mean, if it, if it bothers you, it bothers you. Like, we can't, we're not going to be able to please everybody all the time. That's the reality of the situation. But we're always open to feedback. If you do like the content, smash the like button on YouTube. Subscribe to the channel as well. It does help us a lot. If you listen to this in audio form, Rate and review five stars. We have the Twitter account at Circles Off as well, where you can we always see that feedback. YouTube comments, we always see see that feedback. Just deliver more and more of it. And if there's stuff that you'd like to see come back, if there's things you don't like about the show, it's all valuable to us. There is a there is a planning process in this. It's not just whim to whim, like we're gonna have this guy on, this guy, oh, this guy finally. There's a planning process into how we do everything to try to keep it seasonal, informative, fresh, everything like that. So all the feedback is valuable, provide it. And if you do like the content, smash that like button as well. And we support, we, we appreciate everyone. I'm just checking our Spotify right now, 432 five-star reviews. The support, and that's just Spotify. It doesn't even include Apple. Only 100 of those are Pizzolas as well. <laughs> Rob's family, <laughs> Rob's bot accounts. Johnny, one last thing for you. You brought it up. You didn't say it. Uh, Kanish story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's just a good reminder for everyone. Whenever you suffer a treacherous beat and you think, how did I just lose that? That is the worst beat in the entire world. It's a reminder for everyone. There is somebody on the other side that just suffered. That just like got the best win. The greatest win. Oh, yeah. And... You oftentimes, like, listen, we know how it is. The loss typically hurts more than the 
you know, the success that you'll get in the win and the feeling of the win. In this situation, I saw, I experienced a few weekends ago what I would dub the second greatest betting win of my life, all encompassing. And what I factor in by that is like being at the event live is a necessity in order for it to be a greatest win. You got to be okay. there live. You okay. know what I mean, like obviously watching a TV, whatever, but if you're at the event live and then you get the win, yep. that's just like a prerequisite for me. So at the event live, it's a factor between the unlikeliness of the comeback or the event, the amount of money bet, all that stuff kind of factored into one. Maybe like I have a little score in my mind. So I've, I've evaluated this one as the second greatest event win I've ever had. It was NHL all-star game, the final game. I believe it was like Central versus Atlantic, something like oh, that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. I had the over in the game, 11 and a half, and a few lower numbers too, but 11 and a half to win them all. Joey Kanish, I see him tweet, worst beat ever in my entire life. It's going to take me ages to get over this one. This is the worst beat ever. All right. Now, I was obviously on the other side of that. Kanish, very sorry that that happened to you. I actually messaged him personally and said, listen, buddy. Sorry that happened. Just want to let you know, listen, for every one of these, there's a guy on the other side. At least you know it didn't go underappreciated. I was actually there. I enjoyed it. It didn't go underappreciated. You'll be on the other side of the next one. I'll be at home. I'll have the opposite side of the Lions. You'll be at the <laughs> game. It'll even out, buddy. Don't worry. You're, that's. I mean, that's a classy move by you because when I know that I won a bet that was opposite of him, I send them a screenshot and I say, like, get fucked, buddy. <laughs> really try to rattle even him worries. in the moment. But that's... Uh, but for, that's those of, for those of you who don't know what the bet is, um, All-Star game, they do a three-on-three -three format. NHL uh, All-Star All game, they do a three-on-three -three format. It's uh, typically... They try a little bit hard now because if you win, the winning team splits like $1 million. So again, to these players, they're all making more money than that. So it's not like an astronomical amount, but it still is an amount of money. You buy a new car, something like that. So they do try um, three on three, one period, 20 minute period, or sorry, two 10 minute periods they do. So first and second period, tw uh, 10 minutes each, 20 minute game total, full three on three. They seldom call any penalties or anything like that. I had the over 10 and a half in the game. First game I'd gone, I believe, under the second game went over. This game starts off no scoring, dead. At the the at end of the first period, it was three nothing for one of the teams, and they typically clamp down in the second. Yeah. So it was it was just drawn dead. Anyways, I think it goes four. I think it goes three one four one. At that period, at that time, it's like it's it's dead. It's four one. There's no more than two minutes left in the whole game. Uh, so there's five goals. They rip off seven goals in the final oh. one minute and 20 seconds of the game could not have ever imagined getting seven goals over one goal for, for every like literally a goal per 10 seconds almost yep they it was pass or not on a breakaway scores then off the face off they go rip another goal face off go rip another goal and the whole time i'm there i'm, I'm at the game like it's dead it's dead it's, dead. it's just like i don't even this, this bet is dead i'm not even gonna try to think because you're always in your mind, you know, you, you end up at the half, you're like, okay, it's three zip, you know, maybe one, maybe we yeah, get you, a little you bit high scoring yourself of ways. three empty netters. Yeah, yeah. At first you start, you're like, maybe I get two empty netters, you know, because you can always get two empty netters. And then you're like, oh, I think I might need three empty netters. And then you're like, can I get three empty netters and one goal back the other way? Um, but link the highlights to this, Zach. I think SportsCenter had the highlights. Will do. 
if you guys want to just see how the craziness, you got to just actually watch the highlights. But um, to spoil it, there was seven goals in the last minute 20, including a missed penalty shot, which also just like, as, as soon as I got the penalty shot, I'm like, oh my God, if they get this penalty shot plus two more, yeah, I win. And then he missed the penalty shot. I'm like dead. Scores off the face off. Um, I still got to order a Jersey. I I'm not the guy who typically does that, but for this event, like I, I feel like I got to do it. I got to just get the Jersey. And for the viewers and listeners out there, you can message Joey Kanish 22 on Twitter and tell him how much of a loser he is for trying to go head to head with a couple of Canadians in hockey. A couple Canucks Come on, Kanish. McKinnon, no McKinnon scores with about 15 seconds left. And then I think it was Kale McCarr in the final 10 seconds, seven seconds left scores to put it to 12. Uh, it was Without a doubt, unlikely. One of the most unlikely things you'll ever see. And uh, just to be there live, I was beside a guy who I was selling with, even though he didn't have a bet. Sounded identical to Spanky. He was also from the same place as Spanky. Got it. So he was like, "Why? What's what are you celebrating for? I'm like, oh, I got to bet on the game. He's like, wow, you could bet on this stuff? <laughs> identical to our, our man Spanky. Um, that's the accent, I guess, that they have over there in, uh, in Jersey city, but love on that. Sorry about that. Kanish. You'll get the next one. I'm sure. And then message it back to me and, uh, we'll, we'll share there. But yeah, figured I'd tell that story. Everyone remember when you get a bad beat, it sucks, but there's someone on the other end. So, you know, when you get a good beat now, like I'm, I'm set for the year, like all my bad beats now, I'm, I'm sweeping them under the rug. Like, oh, whatever. I got that. Angel. It's all going to balance out over time unless you're Ben the better, in which case it just won't. And you keep losing in horrific fashion. Yeah. Once I saw Eagles Super Bowl, I honestly thought about betting the Chiefs Super Bowl just for a recreational Did bet. Did Ben bet the Eagles? Yeah. Oh my God. He does it, eh? He does it again. He does it the again. The kid doesn't stop. He does it again. Uh, this has been Circles Off episode number 89. Be sure to like and subscribe to the Circles Off YouTube channel. Rate and review five stars. We'll catch everyone next week. We're going to get into some college basketball betting content over the remainder of February. Peace out, everyone. This is what I love and can't stop loving. Get wasted a game from 97 in the morning. I live for gambling, rolling blunts, feeling high, getting loaded or take some pills and go to La La Land. Spending all my money on gambling and extreme high price pizza. Ah, yeah, one, two, one, two. But in the end, it's all worth it. I like to live in my own world. Fuck regular life, fuck a nine to five job. I'm told to enjoy every moment, every hour, every minute. And that's what I do on Fridays and Saturdays. Why should I take life so seriously? Yeah. I just wanna do what I like to do. Being far from reality, cause I can't stand society. This is my own world. I just wanna win my bets. I think the whole system fucking sucks. Freaks on E, that's what we fuck, man. Everybody's working their fucking ass off during the week. Getting totally fucking stressed out. So what's wrong and what's right? I live for gambling. I live for hard styles. I live for glory. Come on, let's go. Come on, let's go. I just want to win my bets.
this is what I love and can't stop loving. Get wasted at parties from nine till seven in the morning. I live for the music, rolling blunts, feeling high, getting loaded, or take, take some, some pills and go, and go to La La Land. land. Spending all my money on dope and extreme high price tickets, but in the end, it's all worth it. I like to live in my own world. Fuck regular life. Fuck, fuck a nine to five job. job. I'm told to enjoy every moment, every hour, every minute. That's what I do on Fridays and Saturdays. Why should I take life so seriously? I just want to do what I like to do. Be it far from reality, because I can't stand society. It's my own world. I just want to hear the music. I like to live in my own world. I think the whole system fucking sucks. Everybody's working their fucking ass off during the week, getting totally fucking stressed out. So what's wrong and what's right? I live for the weekend. I live for hard styles. I live for hard style, baby. Come on, Come on let's, let's go! go!